Chris Tyler. Welcome to this week's episode of COVID Context for Kids, where I teach you guys stuff most adults don't even know, with a snuffy nose and an upset stomach and a mouth that feels like a desert. Hope you guys are all feeling good. Now, if this is your first time hearing or if you've missed anything, you can find all the episodes archived at contextforkids.podbean.com which has them downloadable or at contextforkids.com where I have transcripts for readers or on my Context for Kids YouTube channel. All scripture this week comes from the MTV, the Miss Tyler version, which is the Christian standard Bible tweaked a bit to be more understandable to kids. Did you know that a lot of grown-ups are too scared to pray? Sometimes people get the idea that God is so untrustworthy and mean that he's listening to every single word and every single thought just so he can have an excuse to do something awful to us or other people? Well, where did that kind of thinking come from? And does it make any sense? Sometimes we get way too many ideas about God from how other people worshipped their gods and still do. So we're going to talk about prayer in other ancient religions and how people have confused what those gods were like, and what our God is really like. We can't trust our God if we're thinking about him like the people who worship a lot of gods do. Their gods were always just like people, only like people with superpowers who could be way more dangerous and mean than any human ever could. Do you know any bullies? Bullies are kids and adults who are just mean and nasty and they're looking for an excuse to do something rotten to anyone they don't like. What about people who are nitpickers and critical? Nitpicker is a name we call people who have to just mess with us on every little thing they think we're doing wrong, no matter how unimportant it is. People who are critical are always just making us feel bad for whatever they don't like. People like this are no fun to be around, and most families have at least one person who's like this. Hopefully, you know, we aren't that person. I used to be very nitpicky and critical. Just getting on people for whatever it was that they weren't doing perfectly or whatever irritated me or whatever I thought they were wrong about. Being around me when I was like that was not pleasant at all. I made people feel like I didn't love them at all and like I didn't see anything good about them. And I'm really sad about it now. And when I became a Christian and was still doing that, and sometimes I still do it, it made God look like he must be that way too. Just waiting for you to make a mistake so that he can pounce on you and make you feel bad about yourself. And personally, I know that's the opposite of what he's really like. But the gods of the nations all around the children of Israel actually were like that. You never knew for sure exactly what would make them angry or even if you could do anything that was good enough to make them happy. There's a prayer that archaeologists discovered. It was written by a man going through a bunch of terrible things, and he was going from temple to temple, making sacrifices and trying to make all the gods happy because he didn't know which one was angry or why they were angry and punishing him. Here's what that prayer said. I wish I knew what I'm doing actually makes the gods happy. What seems good to me just makes the gods angry. 
the things I think are horrible are somehow okay with my gods. Who knows what the gods in heaven even want? Who understands the plans of the underworld gods? Where is anyone who's learned the ways of the gods? Wow, that's depressing. Knowing that your god approves of really horrible things and doesn't care enough to let you know what it is they even want? And because there were so many gods and goddesses, not even knowing which one is angry at you? And because there's so many gods and because they all have different personalities and likes and dislikes, what makes one of them happy might make another one angry. If two gods are fighting and you worship one, will that make the other one take out their anger on you? And to believe that when you die, you don't just stop existing, but you end up in the underworld and who the heck even knows what those gods will do to you or your dead loved ones if you make them angry while you're alive. It was a total nightmare. But that's what life was like in polytheistic nations, which is a fancy way of saying groups of people who believe in a whole lot of different gods. We've talked about this many times, how really pathetic these gods were. They had to be fed every single day by priests or they'd get weak and they wouldn't be able to do their jobs. The sun wouldn't come up or the rains wouldn't fall or too much rain would fall and there would be a flood or all the animals and people would stop having babies or just whatever. Keeping the gods happy meant that they did their jobs and ignored the people. No one wanted the attention of the gods because that just mostly got you into trouble one way or another. Bored gods were nothing but trouble. They wanted them well-fed, happy, and too busy to mess with humans. But they were also a mystery, which is what makes them a lot different from our god. God explained through Moses and the prophets and then perfectly in Jesus exactly what he wants. No one had to guess. In fact, all those laws told the Israelites one thing. They said, you have to be better than the world all around you. You have to love no other God except me, and you have to love your neighbors. And that's hard. It's still hard. And especially since Jesus told us that our neighbors are actually everyone and not just the guy next door or the people who look like us or who have the same religion or whatever. God used the commandments to tell us in every single generation forever that however good and kind and generous the world around you is, you have to do even better to show them what I'm like. And so we learn little by little to not be like the example set by the gods of other nations who were hateful, cruel, and selfish. They love stirring up trouble, hurting the weak, and starting wars. But if Jesus is right, and we know he is, then we have to be different than that. We can't be thinking of ourselves and what would be good for us if it hurts someone else. Jesus never did that. He was willing to be hurt for the good of absolutely anyone who would ever believe him. And what turns out to be good for us who believe in him should also be good for everyone we come in contact with. And if God expects that from us, then we can expect even more from him. If he wants us to be better than 
everyone around us, that means that he is even better than that. Well, in fact, he's perfect. He gave us the Bible so that we could read the whole thing from front to back to learn who he is and how much he is willing to sacrifice so that we can be his people. In fact, when Moses wanted to see God, God told Moses his name, Yahweh, and then said this, Yahweh, Yahweh is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to get angry and full of faithful love and truth, always faithful and loving for a thousand generations. And I'm telling you right now, that's like 40,000 years. So, I mean, that's forever. Forgiving people who decide to do wrong things, who do wrong things because they don't care about what is right, and people who just make mistakes. But that doesn't mean there will be no consequences because the wrong that people do can make things bad for a very long time for their own family. And that's in Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7. Now, God wants us to succeed, not to fail. There are plenty of human beings who just want the worst for you and will trick you and take advantage of every mistake you make. But that isn't what God is like at all. That's why he is so forgiving, because he wants every single one of us to be more like Jesus. And that can't happen if he is just waiting around the corner for us to mess up so he can kill us or torture us. Believe me, if that was true, I wouldn't have survived my 20s. God knows how ridiculous we are, and he also knows that without him, we are stuck in sin. Not even knowing what's right or wrong. God wants his kingdom on earth, the whole earth, to be a place where we all love him and one another. That is his goal. That's been his goal since the beginning. Now, God is going to treat you and everyone else however it takes to make his goals happen. That's why he told us how patient and loving and trustworthy he is. It's why he's so careful not to just kill us all when what we need is to be taught and loved and healed. He didn't create us perfect. He created us with the ability to make good and bad choices. And because we're his children, he cuts us a lot of slack and just rolls his eyes when we make a lot of our mistakes. And when we're doing bad things, he works to change us so that we can do better. He isn't a nitpicker, and he isn't just critical and upset with us no matter how hard we're trying. In the Bible, there are a bunch of instructions, but you know what? They were nudges for them and us to learn to be better than the world around us and to save our communities when things were desperate. And behind them is always his goal to get us to love one another excellently. Unfortunately, until Jesus... People found ways to use those instructions to do what they wanted. But what does this have to do with prayer? Well, it has everything to do with prayer. We have to know what God is like and what his goals are before we can settle down and be honest with him. And before we can be honest with him, we have to be able to trust that he is nothing like the false gods of the rest of the world, just waiting for an excuse to hurt us and the people we love. Well, how can we be honest when we're afraid of every word we say and every thought we think? I know there are people like that, but if God was like that, then Jesus wouldn't have died to save us because God wouldn't have wanted to save us. 
The truth is that we can tell God anything because there is nothing we can say to him that he doesn't already know. That doesn't mean he doesn't want to talk to us about it. You can say all the wrong words about all the wrong things and all the wrong people while feeling terrible feelings, and it's absolutely okay. He isn't going to go off and do something messed up just because you're angry with someone today. He will help you with your emotions because he gave you those emotions to tell you about what's going on inside you and outside of you. Emotions are our friends and also our enemies sometimes if we do the wrong things with them. But our emotions aren't ever wrong. Emotions just are whatever they are. God knows how wild and uncontrollable they can be. And sometimes we just need to be really mad when bad things are happening. And we need to cry when sad things happen. We also need to be able to laugh during good times. So we can come to God with all our emotions and he knows what to do with them and help us with them so that we can control them better in the future and maybe even feel them more because he feels that way too. Do you believe that God's happy when there are wars and little children are killed because of terrible grown-up decisions? No, he gets angry and he doesn't care who those children are. So we can tell him in our prayers that we're angry or scared or tell him about our good news too. It's all important to God. Now, I didn't used to know any of this, and so I would be really careful while praying. You see, I knew God was real, and it was very important to me to please him, but I also didn't trust him at all. Someone did something terrible to me when I was about 34 years old. So this was 20 years ago, and then he got other people against me too, and it hurt worse than anything because it was in my church. My heart was broken, and so I would talk to God about it, and I kept asking God to fix it. But then I'd get all freaked out and say, but please don't hurt his family, God. Please protect them. I don't want them to suffer for what he's doing. Isn't that sad? I actually thought that God would hurt innocent people if I didn't ask him not to. I was a pretty new believer, and I still didn't understand him. It wouldn't be until I was like 37 that I realized I could say absolutely anything I was thinking and feeling, even if I was angry at him. And I've been angry at God many times. But prayer isn't just magic, like they believed in the ancient world. Our prayer is a talk with someone who loves us very deeply and forever. God is committed to you forever, and he will always want you to be able to be honest with him and trust him because once you do, he can really start making you more like Jesus. And I guess this is a good time to talk about the prayers of people to their false gods. I told you that it worked like a magic spell, right? First of all, they had to bring some kind of gift to that god to bribe him or her. Their gods weren't interested in them at all unless they brought some sort of expensive yummy present. And then they had to say the god's name exactly right because if they didn't, that god wasn't smart enough to hear them. But if they did say their real name exactly right, then that god had to do whatever they asked. 
those gods could be bribed and controlled, and they weren't all that smart. That's why all the nations around Israel and also the children of Israel themselves had a hard time understanding our God because he was just nothing like any of the other gods. He confused them. How could one and only one God create everything and do everything and know everything? It just seemed crazy. They had to learn, and it took a long time. That's why they didn't even understand how prayer worked and why they kept worshiping God while also praying to other gods for help at the same time. They didn't trust God to handle all their needs. They believed he was just like all the other gods who weren't even really gods at all. And we can still do that, even when we know there's only one God. There are people who will tell you that God won't hear you if you don't use the right names or say the right things or if you don't understand the commandments perfectly. Well, you know, that he won't listen to you. And it's sad they believe that about God because with a God like that, no one can ever be good enough no matter how hard they try. That's a God leaving you to feel hopeless and angry, and that's the sort of God that people give up on because what's the use of believing in someone who can't ever be pleased no matter what? Have you ever known someone like that? Someone who doesn't like you no matter how good you behave or how much you do or anything? You know, I do, and that's an awful way to live. What if you get straight A's in school except for a C in P.E. and all they care about is that C in P.E.? Not everyone is good at sports. I wasn't no matter how hard I tried. And what if you got all good grades except in math? No matter how hard you try. Because your brain just has a tough time with numbers and equations. It's God who gives us the abilities to do certain things and to struggle with others. I have a beautiful singing voice, but I cannot read sheet music or play a musical instrument. I would get bad grades in those things. But when people blame that on you, they're really blaming God and the way he made your brain to work really well in some ways and to struggle in others. Not everyone is good at everything. Unlike people, God knows what you can and can't accomplish. Your best really is good enough, even if that best is sometimes only a C-grade. And you know what? Understanding God and our Bibles is even more complicated than anything you take in school. But he isn't nearly as hard to understand as we make him out to be, just because all these people have all these ideas about him being all sorts of different ways because that's how they were taught. If they had parents or a pastor who was always, you know, yelling at them about how mean God is and how angry he is at them, that's the God they're going to teach people about. I suppose that's one main reason why God sent Jesus so that we would see and hear and experience what God is and does in real life. The disciples are actually kind of hilarious in how much stuff they got wrong about God and how Jesus has to keep setting them straight. When two of them wanted to call down fire and brimstone on the city of the Samaritans, Jesus said, dudes, no, that is not okay. Dang. They kept wanting him to be violent, and he kept saying, uh, no. They wanted him to take revenge on people who were mean to him or who wouldn't listen to him, and he kept saying, no. 
They wanted him to send all the children away, and he really said, no. In fact, he told the disciples that anyone messing with kids was messing with him, and it would be better for them if they had a stone tied around their neck and got thrown in the sea. And then he told his disciples that not only did the angels who cared for children see God's face up close and personal every single day, but that we should all be more like those children coming to see him. Jesus cared about the poor and people in prison and people who were hungry and thirsty and who didn't have any warm clothes to wear and who were sick and disabled. He cared for the people whom everyone else thought were suffering because they deserved it and so didn't deserve any special attention. He cared for all the people who were messed up in some way or another. And let me tell you, the religious experts were really angry about it. And the religious experts today can be just the same way. Jesus said that the most important commandments weren't about giving enough money to God or keeping the Sabbath or any of that, but were about doing what is right for other people. Giving money to God is good, but when we make things better for people who are hurting, it shows the world what God wants and how he wants the world to be a more peaceful and loving place where people don't have to be scared anymore. They didn't like that because some of them were rich from taking advantage of poor people. They didn't want to hear that just keeping the commandments as written and ignoring the importance of love wasn't good enough. There are always people who think they can please God by just doing the easy stuff. But loving God has to be learned and it is much harder. Some commandments are way more important than others and loving God and others are the two most important. If keeping one of the other commandments makes us do something that hurts someone else who's already hurting, then we aren't making God happy at all. That's the God we're praying to. And so we can say all the wrong things when we pray and it's okay. We can be angry at him or other people and it's okay to trust him with that. In fact, there is this prayer in the Bible that's really disturbing. A guy who has been through terrible things is so angry at his enemies that he wants their babies dead. What? Who wants babies dead? Sometimes when we're really angry, we just forget what's right and good and we say whatever it is that comes to our mind. Because the babies of his own people were killed, he wanted his enemies to know what that feels like. He probably didn't really want innocent babies to die. He just wanted revenge. He wanted his enemies to feel what he was feeling. I think we can all look back on times when we felt the same way. And it's absolutely all right to be honest with God about that sort of thing. Believe me, he's not going to do it just because we say it. But he can and will help you with how you're feeling. Not by smacking you down and saying, dude, that is so messed up. But by comforting you and crying with you and not abandoning you, even when it feels like everyone else has. So we can trust God with our messy emotions and messed up things we're thinking and our confusion and frustration and just everything. He isn't looking for an excuse to smack us down for being honest. But when we're talking with him, Sometimes he talks to us about it. He doesn't expect us to know things we don't know or to be more mature than we actually are or more loving. 
He's here to help us become more like Jesus. God isn't ever unfair, even though people are. God isn't waiting for us to mess up so that he can make fun of us like some people do. God doesn't want to destroy us. He wants to give us life and wants to be with us forever when Jesus comes back as king of the world here on earth. The Bible says he will wipe away all of our tears and people won't be dying or getting sick or in wheelchairs or anything like that. And no one will ever hurt you again. I love you. I'm praying for you. And I pray that you will take a chance on God today and talk to him about anything and everything and be honest about how you feel. I promise you that he isn't going to be mean or tricky or unfair to you. God is better than the best person you will ever know.